Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Celtic stuff live. Welcome to Celtic Stuff Live on the CLMS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for the Boston Celtics and Media Day. Yes, it has happened. As far as I'm concerned, the season is underway. They are having their first official practice. We've got some preseason games right around the corner, John. And I think Media Day, again, usually a lot of fluff, not a lot of meat and potatoes, but I think there were several really good interviews. Hopefully the Kyrie Irving one helps prevent what we talked about last week, which was I was really hoping that we wouldn't have to talk about this all season long. I guarantee you it'll still come up, but maybe he helped kind of put people at ease on that and didn't pour some fuel on the fire. And also Marcus Smart having a very difficult summer and really appreciated his candor in his interview. By far, I would say, the most sort of genuine and sincere interview that happened at Media Day, at least up on a podium. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, this, it, this was an interesting Media Day. Certainly it was the most, uh, it probably one of the more anticipated Media Days, probably going back to the 08 Celtics, not because of there were new arrivals or anything, but just merely how some pieces fit. And then of course, last week we get the, the really terribly sad news that that Marcus's mom had passed from cancer, the battle that she had waged, you know, from basically from the playoffs throughout that playoff run. And then, uh, you know, obviously, um, it, it you know, I, I think you, you, you know, everyone kind of wonders. And, and so, you know, we, obviously the really heartfelt post that Marcus put on, on Twitter. And so, you know, you, you check in with him and you want to see how he's doing and, and, uh, yeah, and I mean, a special place in your heart and your family's heart. Yeah, too. I mean, if there's a if there's a player that your family has gravitated to, it's obviously the one who you got the sneakers from, you know. And right. uh, I'm sure you didn't talk to your boys too much about Marcus's, you know, family goings on. But you know, those moments kind of they talked to to him and interviewed him about, you know, is there other players? And they were really alluding to Isaiah Thomas, I think, without nobody actually said it and Marcus didn't go down that road. But this this team has experienced tragedy. Jay Crowder as well. All experienced tragedy over the last couple of years and in many cases rose above it. And I think that's kind of the answer people were fishing for and just not asking Marcus directly. But you know, clearly um 
clearly he must have gotten a lot of support and he was also expressing how impressed he was by how many teammates and members of the organization came to his mother's funeral. And I just want to say once again, like, you know, that's what it's all about. There's, there's a bigger reason for being on this earth. And I'm really glad to see that, uh, that Marcus got that support, especially after having what I would consider to be kind of a really odd contract negotiation to start off the summer. Yeah, yeah, that was that was certainly a, a, a weird scenario, and you know, restricted free agency is its own animal. And then, you know, on top of that, what he's going through with his mom and, and trying to help her with her battle, and there's a lot, there's a lot there. It, it was a full summer, and and uh, you know, for Marcus's sake, you hope. And he talked about this about how basketball is the eye of that storm, you know, and it's it's kind of the calm, and there's a lot of chaos around it, but but in the heart of that that. Uh, that storm is, is kind of a peaceful place for him. And, and that was, you know, just as you had said, that was what Isaiah had talked about too, where, you know, off the court was destroyed. I mean, I, I still have that image in my mind of Isaiah and Avery Bradley on the bench with Avery's arm around him, you know, while Isaiah's just bawling, you know, just bawling. And, um, in the aftermath of, of Isaiah's, uh, sister dying, you know, those, those teammates, this is why the family atmosphere at the Celtics talk about this isn't just business right and and brad always talks about you need time away you get time away you know that they're they're about family first on that team and that's the type of thing that you know to take it back to basketball that matters it makes people want to stay it makes people feel like you're more than just a number you're more than just a contract you're part of this family and yeah there are things that people get traded and that is part of the business but when you're here you're 100 percent in from the top down that's and that's 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 it's nice to root for a team that that is invested in it in its players like its fans are invested in its players and that's a that's a pretty nice thing and it allows you know allows for uh, maybe some special things to happen on the court and i think we've seen that under Brad Stevens that's exactly what's happened and that bond has been an unbreakable bond yeah and a lot of that discussion uh, or I should say kind of the imposed narrative is, okay, now everybody's healthy. What are we going to do with the minutes? Um, <laughs> and there were definitely pointed questions about how is that going to impact chemistry? You know, Marcus Morris had to field those questions. Um, I think Marcus Smart did. Terry Rozier definitely did. And there were just lots of conversation about, you know, how are, how is that going to impact camaraderie? And so Marcus Smart is the first person to take that hit on the minutes has been for the last several years and totally a willing sort of six man that'll play any position on the floor as we've seen. And, you know, there's the guy who really, to your point, could be sort of the central figure for keeping that all together. He's a glue guy. He's a glue guy on the court. He's a do all the little things. And um, I, I can imagine how impactful he may be in the locker room this year to help keep that camaraderie together as well. So, you know, the love fest for Marcus Smart continues <laughs> on Celtic Stuff Live. And on a lighter note, um, we'll use this to segue to, to Kyrie Irving's commentary as well. And <clears throat> I will say, if you're watching on YouTube, my red-faced Thanos is now gone. We're going to go ahead and have this picture in the background. It looks like I'm hanging out in the woods. Uh <laughs> 
it's it's almost hunting season, so maybe it's first Justin. Hold on, oh there he is, he's right there. Oh good. If you're on the podcast, what I should not do is put antlers on. Um, <laughs> you your blaze orange on or something. Like right, a true that's what I should do. I definitely need some orange, my orange vest on for this uh, for this background. But now I don't have a red face, so that should satisfy at least fifty percent of our YouTube following. Uh, so if you're on the podcast and you haven't checked us out on YouTube, I think as you're listening to this, it's probably worth a quick YouTube uh, hit so you can kind of see what we're talking about. But um, also a reminder before we talk about Kyrie Irving, you can follow Celtic Stuff Live on Twitter at CSL underscore Tweet Live. You can follow me at CSL underscore Justin. John is at CSL underscore Duke. And the entire CLNS Media Network is at CLNS Media. Go to the Facebook page, facebook.com slash CLNS fans and download the CLNS Media app for iOS and Android. Simply search CLNS Media in your app marketplace. Finally, the YouTube channel, which is going to be heating up as the season is underway, youtube.com slash CLNS Media for high-definition, full-length locker room interviews, the garden report, the roundtable, and obviously, if you haven't seen them, go and check out all the interviews from Media Day. The one thing I will say is clearly CLNS Media uh, invested in some upgraded equipment because those videos are as good as any you'll find anywhere. I'm talking ESPN. I'm talking Fox. That video quality and the audio quality, I think it started up a little bit over the summer here and there. I noticed it when they were at the practice facility, but it's just phenomenal, phenomenal quality. So great things happening here at CLNS Media. Let's talk about our good friend Kyrie Irving because the Jimmy Butler stuff is still on the table. Lots of speculation just over the last week leading up to uh, Media Day and lots of conversation about how is Jimmy Butler going to influence somebody like Kyrie Irving. Kyrie says, I haven't really talked to him that much in two years since we were on Team USA together. So that's kind of uh, contradictory to reports out there. I will also say, and I'm going to leave this. I know, I know we we're going to 100% buy in on him putting this to rest. But Kyrie is, you know, he's not. Look, he thinks the world is a flat. You know what I mean? Like, I just think there are moments where he's pretty comfortable, pretty comfortable just throwing shade. So I'm not going to believe everything he says because even if he thinks the world is round, he's still you know, plays into that a little bit and plays into the media. So just keep that feather in the back of your mind. But for the most part, John, are you 100% convinced that, you know, his comments yesterday about the culture, the history, the fact that they can pay him the most and the reason for no extension, which we've always said is a smart business decision on his end. Do you think that really puts it to rest 100%? Yeah, I think it does, actually. I mean, I think that there's always going to be a question, but you know, there was, you know, 50, 50, 60, 40, what, you know, I, I let's to clarify the Jimmy Butler thing I thought was kind of nonsense. I didn't see really any reason why he would, why that would be a draw. Kevin Durant to me has always been the one to be concerned with what he does. They are much closer. Um, they worked out together a good part of the summer. I felt like there's a lot there to be concerned with. And certainly Durant has probably been even more opaque when it comes to what his future is. And he's on arguably uh, the best, one of the greatest teams in NBA history. So there's a lot there to unpack, but let's just put that aside and just talk about Kyrie. I think that what he said though, uh, to me, the, the value of what he said was not only was the money certainly, but, but about the situation and 
But what I thought, what was the, the takeaway was how we talked about how he's much more comfortable and how, you know, everything away from this was a problem, but being here and, and being part of what this is here in Boston was, uh, a godsend. It was, you know, a, a, a perfect situation. And why would I want to walk away from that was the line. I think that that, there's a lot you can say about that. I think one thing that's also somewhat interesting is, you know, while he was uncomfortable last year, I wouldn't say he showed he was uncomfortable. I think he was just a bit distant. So I think that took a lot of us off guard as we're reading that. Like, really? Okay, he was uncomfortable. That's interesting. And then the other piece that, you know, on top it's of always that, uncomfortable relocating though and sure. having a new community and new teammates. And I will also say this, hopefully that's a deterrent to him making any changes as well. Well, right. And, and there, and there wasn't a lot of time. I mean, there was about a, about a month in between when the trade happened and when he actually showed up for training camp and he's shooting the movie. There's a lot going on in his life. And then the knee, it was a lot. It was a lot. But now you kind of peel that back and he's been, he's been here playing with the team. You know, they've been, they've been working out and you have to feel like apparently these workouts have gone quite well that everybody who's playing in them are feeling really good about where the team's headed. And, you know, it's kind of like that everybody lost weight, everybody's, you know, the best shape of their life thing. But you kind of wonder how much that plays into what Ky- Kyrie's enjoying what's going on on the court. And that, that just saying that, to me, is it's about basketball. It's All his comments Monday at Media Day were all about basketball, all about how basketball is making him feel. And, it's, again, it's the Marcus Smart analogy of the eye of the storm. And everything around might be crazy, but it's very centered and very focused here. And I think he's appreciating that. And I think he's appreciating where things are. And I think he's appreciating his his place now in Boston. So I feel I feel good. He feels centered. He feels grounded. He feels comfortable. I think that's all you can ask for. And if the basketball goes the way we think it will, I think everything else takes care of itself. Is there really any other better place to play, though, if you really want to have just that excitement from the fan base, the energy in the building? We've heard it over and over, but I think while he may have been uncomfortable last year, to your point, he's settled in. Uncomfortable could just have been the knee and struggling through that with the expectations on his shoulders, too. I mean, having him and Hayward 100% healthy to do this season what they had hoped to do last year with the growth and the emergence of many of the bench players, I mean, this might be one of the deepest teams in recent memory by a long shot, and it was only 12 months ago that you and I were saying – you know, well, I wasn't agreeing, but you were saying definitely, I think this bench really, really thin. And yeah. what are we going to do? And effectively, they've made minimal changes other than through the draft heading into this year. But we saw how deep this team was. Now they were thin because of the injuries, but Tice is back. Hayward is back. Kyrie's going to be healthy. I mean, last year they struggled through Al Horford's concussions. Marcus Smart was injured. Then obviously, you know, I don't I need to belabor Hayward and Kyrie, but just look at all that they went through. Even Jalen Brown missed some time in the early part of the year. Uh, now they have guys like Jason Tatum that's emerged. I, I'm definitely interested to see how some of the young guys are going to develop, but um, and especially t- taking a little bit more of a backseat. Like that could be – 
a struggle for somebody like Jalen, right? All of a sudden he's getting, you know, less opportunity, but, you know, maybe the attention drawn to other players winds up actually helping him build his confidence because he's going to get open looks. So offensively, Brad said they've got a lot of work to do. Couldn't agree more, but I think just by inserting um, so many of these players and the ones that had to step up offensively last year into this year's team, that I think that bodes well. I'd be surprised if they weren't a top 10 offensive team. I know their place, all their focus on defense, but I'd be very surprised if they weren't a top 10 offensive team. Before we get talking a little bit about the pictures and you and I have to get back into this lineup conversation that continues to happen. I do have to tell you that we have a new sponsor with a very unique model. They're called One in 100. So Boston sports fans, do you want to get killer seats to see your favorite team for the price of a beer or a large pizza? That's right. You're probably tired of paying for all the inflated markups from brokers or last-minute convenience charges. So you end up paying courtside prices for nosebleed seats? Well, here's something. Especially if you live close to the Boston market, you can go to onein100.com. That's O-N-E-I-N, the number one, zero, zero, dot C-O. Not dot com, sorry, dot C-O. Feeling lucky? Try it out now. There's no other place online that's doing online raffles to win tickets to events. It's a totally new way to score tickets to your favorite events. So they do music and concerts, not just Boston Celtics tickets, but you're being a Boston Celtics fan and listening to this show. If you live in the Boston market, no better way. You essentially go to the website. They've got a hundred numbers. You enter in for a raffle and then you get to choose your number. And if your number is drawn, you're going to get the tickets. So the cost to potentially score tickets with one in 100 is a small fraction of the actual ticket price. You score a pair of tickets for less than the cost of a beer and your first raffle ticket is free after signing up. The experience of using one in 100, which is extremely fun and exciting from picking your lucky number to the of potentially scoring premium tickets. So if you're feeling lucky, try it. Go to one in 100.co. That's O N E I N 100.co. John, pretty cool concept. I actually got a chance to, uh, to talk with the owner of one in 100 and kind of get their vision. And it's a pretty cool concept, to be honest with you. And I told him, I said, can I just place my bet on 17 for the rest of the year? Oh, jeez. Again with the numerology. I just want to own the number. Um, I don't want anybody else having my number. How the hell does anybody else own? No one should be able to own that number. You've, that's like, that's, that's yours. Like, yep. that's it. I trademarked man. it. I own it. Absolutely. Right. right. Exactly. All right. So the pictures at Media Day, they show my starting five. So I think we could just put that to rest. It's how they started last year, and it looks like how they're going to roll this year too. So just I know you were kind of coming around over the last couple of weeks on me being right about this and yada, yada, but you know it seems to be a year after year debate here, or it will be now. This will be our second year running. It's going to be Kyrie, Brown, Tatum, Hayward, and Horford. Um you're, that's who you're going to see. And then you've got the Smart and Rozier and Morris and Tice and Baines coming off the bench. Occasionally, I do agree a spot start for Baines, but that's your starting five, bro, and definitely on opening night. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I think that's their best One lineup. in 100%. I'm I fine. think it's their best lineup, but 
I think one thing that just – and I don't want to – there's a couple of things I want to talk about, but that group – and it kind of ties into what I was, whatever I was going when you kind of wrapped up in terms of the top 10 and being a top 10 offensive team. I think that team playing a lot could be a top 10 offensive team. What I worry about this, I, I guess not worry about, but going into this season, my bigger concern is actually on the defensive end. I think offensively they're going to fit fine. I think defensively is where I wonder, will they bring the same energy? Will they feel anointed? Um, you know, a couple of years, when, when the first year that Al Horford came in, there was a lot of expectations. You know, previous year, the Celtics were a top five Celtics defensive team. Uh, and the feeling was, well, if we add Al Horford and we've got this new rookie, Jalen Brown, who's a, supposed to be a defensive stopper, we're clearly going to be number one defense in the league. And that went nowhere fast because came, I'm coming out of the gates. They were horrendous. They were a sieve defensively. It was only because Isaiah went supernova that that team really kind of find its stride and go um, to another place. So, you know, a lot of the talk that Brad has had about we've got to put the work in, you know, we've got to, you know, make that, you know, make that part of our mission. We've got to be part of, you know, we've got to work every day. To me, that's that's an immediate kind of callback in my mind to a couple of years back when, you know, there was this anointing of what this team was going to be, and then they came out and didn't earn it in any respect. You know, Jay Crowder was a step slower. Avery, as a team defender, wasn't getting it done. And so you had all of these issues. That offensive lap, that five, call it the Shamrock Five or the Roddick City Council, whatever you want to call that five group. (laughs) The the Celtics Twitter, yeah. Um, I love Celtics. When (laughs) when you have those five on the court, there's no doubt. I mean, that's just potentially in 2K. That's the lineup you play with. But how does Al Horford feel about being the full time center? Um, How do you can you play that same defensive style? That you want to play and you want to switch, sure, but rebounding wise, you're going to be able to keep pace. You know, so there's all these, there's a lot of questions about that, and particularly when you play the bangers, when you play the, uh, you know, the guys like Embiid, you play the Drummonds, you play those players, those big players who are going to sit in the post and you got to bang with. You can't afford to lose Al Horford. Al Horford is probably your most indispensable player on this team. I think you could, I mean, whether he's the MVP or not, I don't know, but he's definitely the most irreplaceable of all of those guys. And if anything happens to him, they've got to be concerned. They need him fresh. They need him. Are strong. you concerned about like the concussions again? Is that why you're worried about him facing a bigger matchup in the post? Or are you just worried he's going to get beat, you know, on defense down there just due to the size mismatch? I think it's, well, the size mismatch, I think it's, it's a 82 game slog where, he, there's a lot being put on his shoulders to move the ball, set good screens, play amazing defense, anchor the defense, uh, you know, be the, the quarterback in a lot of cases for this team. And he's also got to go down there and throw bodies around with, you know, 265, 285 pound giants. That's a lot to ask for, you know, and I think the Celtics, the, the I think the, the Celtics last year, that they allowed him. They allowed him to be able to, like, because he didn't play as much, because they were able to keep his minutes low, he he was amazing in the playoffs. If they use up some of that some of that reserve so he can be the five against, you know, starting lineups, that just seems to me it's a, it's a, it would be nice, 
but it's it's kind of an extra. Whereas I'd rather if he's starting the playoffs in that position, I feel a lot differently than I do opening night. Let's say. See, I can see an early substitution. Whether it's it's unlikely that he comes out, but I can see you know somebody probably Tatum or Hayward's going to come out first, and then a Baines would rotate in. I hear what you're saying a hundred percent, but at the end of the day, I think, like I said last week, it's really important that they get off to a really good scoring clip to start the game. I think if they can run that up, they've got more leeway with the bench, and it ultimately achieves what you're talking about, which is Al Horford gets less minutes and is rested for the postseason. Um, he'll get nights off too. I have, I have no doubt about that with the talent on this team. You know, there's going to be times where these guys in the starting lineup, you know, there's no reason not to give Kyrie a night off here and there. If he's got any kind of pain or issues, I mean, you've got Terry, you've got Marcus. There's no reason this team, if everybody else is healthy, can't give guys nights off. I just think if all five players are going to be on the court, then those five are going to be together in the starting lineup with a goal of running up a score like 22 to 10 or 12 as quickly as possible and getting into the bench. And so the logical first substitution to me is putting in Baines when you have a bigger team like you just described and substituting substituting out probably Hayward. He would be my first hook because that's who I want because of all the playmaking you described last week. I want that guy anchoring that second unit when you start subbing out Al and you start subbing out Kyrie. It's actually Hayward that I want out there kind of dictating things with that second unit and pulling it together. Um, I like seeing Brown and Tatum out there with, you know, Kyrie or Horford. Uh, with a couple of vets that way. I, I know they can rotate too, but at the end of the day, I do think that's the starting five. I don't want, I think they want to put points up, lock down defense. Most of the guys that are subbing in are going to be good defenders. That's the other thing. So, you know, it, to hold on to a lead once the points go up and then just throw your starters back in to put points on, like even, even Kyrie, honestly, it won't happen, but he could average 26 points a game. Most nights this year, if he comes in and scores in a flurry, because the substitution patterns are defense and they should be able to hold the lead for a while and keep his minutes down as long as when they come in, they're high octane offense and they get that from those numbers put up. That's always been the biggest issue is the scoring droughts that happen when the second unit comes in. Well, yeah, and I don't think, as you said, I don't think we're going to have scoring droughts. I, I think it's going to be, um, I think you could have some special days ahead. And so, you know, you look at where – and you're right. Could it be Hayward? Could it be Tatum? I, I think one of those two are, are the first to go to the bench. Um, whether you bring Baines in or, or, or not, I think actually they, they – that may be the, the first the first pull because you're going to have them be the anchors. What's interesting, too, in, in some of the talk of media day is, you know, Rozier was saying how – Tatum, it looks like the man. <laughs> um, and you know, it didn't you know, hurt to be playing around with Kobe all summer. I'm certain of that. There you go. As yeah. much as I want to give, you know, props to T Mac <laughs> and Jalen Brown, it's just not on the same level. I mean, in terms of the ranking of the the what I most wanted to hear or, or most important quotes, that's third on the list. We talked about Marcus. We talked about Kyrie. Number three is, you know, Rozier saying, "Oh yeah, yeah. Oh by the way, the the number three pick who." You know, could be a future MVP, all-star, you know, blah, 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 Hall of Famer. He's looking like he's already could be the man. Um, 
okay, I didn't need to hear any more than that. I'm all set. Yeah. <laughs> I'm out. That's good. I'm done. Let you me know? ask I mean, you how amazing. protected was Tatum in those interviews, too? Like, they really wanted him to speak specifically to what he worked on. Like, they were asking him the questions about, hey, how about your strength in the post? And he's not having it. He learned there. Nope. there's other coaching that's going on because I felt like last year he was a lot more forthcoming in his interviews. And that media day interview was like, hey, you're a budding star. You've got to learn how to kind of keep it you know, shut down a little bit. And so th- there's, there's that other element of poise that comes from becoming a veteran. And yeah, he's young, but if, if he has advanced his game at all, and there were parts, including rebounding and defense that we didn't expect to see last year that were ever present throughout the season and quite a surprise. I do agree. He definitely should be focusing on the post and being able to play through contact a little bit, but it's really not his game. While they'll probably play him at the four at a lot of, a lot of times, uh, just because that's how they roll. He's really a three. And he even said, I don't want to put on a lot of muscle. I've got plenty of time for my body to fill out. And I thought that was really smart. It's important that he stay fluid and he's able to move around and he has range. Sometimes these guys put on too much muscle. And it causes problems. And even Marcus Smart, you know, they were talking about that. Like we had gotten the lean Marcus Smart last year. Then we were all really impressed. And then we found out that he's been basically sort of like a muscle building weightlifter in his workouts. And now he's adding like Pilates and yoga and all this to get at some of these smaller fast twitch muscles that he really hadn't been exercising in the past. And, you know, that's something that I think Tatum's got going for him. And I'm glad he didn't bulk up because I don't think they want him to be a power forward. I think he needs to stay that 6'10", 6'11", small forward that Danny has coveted since he showed up with the Celtics in the early 2000s. Yeah. The real version of Jeff Green, not, not the Jeff Green that we got, you know, and <laughs> he, so he, you know, and the, that was the one thing that he said. He added seven to eight pounds of, of muscle and, and that he felt like he is able to finish through contact because that was a problem. I mean, you know, when he's driving the lane and he was losing the ball out of bounds or he wasn't able to finish, that's, you know, that's a real issue, you know, so. Maybe that seven or eight pounds is what has led to Rozier feeling like, okay, he's, he's making that next step. Cause his, him making that move, it does unlock a lot of other things for him. And we obviously know what his shooting can do. We know how he can get his shot off in the mid range if he needs to and how, you know, automatic effectively that is. When he can finish at the rim, and we certainly know those long strides, he can get by guys. If he can get a little bit of contact and still get it up there and, and finish. Now we're, now we're entering a whole nother level. And, you know, um, which was kind of interesting because contrasting that, Jalen Brown kind of went the other way. He's like, yeah, I worked on all the things everyone talks about that I can't do. And he's made, like, made the list. Free throw shooting, playmaking. I was like, yes, yes, I, yeah, we complained about that. Yeah, yeah, I wrote about that too. Uh huh, yep. He's like, I don't want to give any, anything for them to talk about this year. So we'll see. Uh, he, you know, he hit some free throws, some clutch free throws of a little scrimmage they had yesterday. Good for him. Um, the playmaking, the free throw shooting is, is a big deal though. I mean, I think that's, he's going to be in a spot. It's really, I'm less worried about the playmaking than I am, um, 
the um, the free throw shooting. I mean, that's a the free throw shooting is certainly his biggest crux, which is weird because is. everybody said. Remember the, the statement? The, it was all about hey, that free throw shooting. He's never going to be a shooter in the league. You know, he didn't shoot well from three. I think less than thirty percent in college. He's going to be a nightmare. And then really, he corrected the three point shooting quite quickly, which makes the free throw shooting such an oddity. And I think he even said it's kind of part of this mental thing. I think he's overthinking it. And maybe this addition of meditation into his pregame, you know, daily routines or whatever will help him with that. I really don't think so. I think it's repetition, repetition, repetition and confidence. And so, you know, I I expect by the time he's 28, that'll all be in check, but I'm not expecting more than marginal incremental improvement year after year. I'm not, I don't think there's going to be, Oh, all of a sudden he's an 80% free throw shooter. It's just not going to happen. I no, I think you're right. I think in terms of his percentages, I think you're right. I mean, he was so bad the last year that on that side of it, it was like really sixty five percent. Yeah, something I mean, like that. And he's I, such I, a contact I, guy. He needs those exactly. Points. Exactly. No, totally. I, I totally agree with there. I mean, I think to me, a lot of what his issues are overthinking it. Though I, I don't think it's a it's a mechanical thing. I think it's it's a mental thing. It's a mental block. Uh, and, it, and the playmaking is, is, a, is a similar sort of idea. It's this, you're so smart that sometimes the simple things can be, can get in your way and you overthink it. Um, I think the playmaking. He didn't say it that way, but no. that's what he said. He said right. sometimes yeah. the things that come easy to me, you know, are hard for everybody yeah. else. And sometimes the things that are easy for other people come hard to me. And he basically I, said absolutely. what he said. I, yeah. I would, I would hire him to be, you know, he should be elected the, the players association president right now, but he needs to figure out how to run a pick and roll too and find a guy, <laughs> the cutter. I mean, you don't have to You're boycotted. If you can't do pick and roll, you're out. You're out. Yeah. You know, I mean, Chris Paul's the president right now. So that's, that's the bar, I guess. But, um, you know, I, you know, I think the thing with him too, uh, it's a question. He's in a really interesting spot and I know you, Jalen's your guy. So, you know, it's, it's interesting to me because he's really the fifth option, you know, of that. Shamrock Five, Erotic City Council. He is the fifth guy. He's the fifth option, which is crazy. I mean, you put him on other teams, he'd be the number one option, right? So he's the fifth option on that team. But so in what the Celtics need him to do, he doesn't really need to, he doesn't, the playmaking isn't important. But for him to get to where he needs to be as a player, you know, and, and to, and, and to show his potential, I suppose, that's the, the playmaking is probably the place where he's got to turn to it and, and at least become adequate in that capacity. Well, if he's not going to be the number one option, he has to help get the ball into the number yep. one option, number two options hands at times. And by being able to do that, he'll draw less contact and the free throw shooting won't be as big of an issue because he should have more open lanes oh to God. the basket. And even when he's driving to the lane, there should be a cutter. We're going to see a lot of baseline with him. I think this season, cause he's always hanging out on the yep. wing, that fifth option. So if they can get all the defense rotated to one side, if they swing the ball fast enough, he should be coming in baseline. Now they're going to collapse and because of his free free throw percentage, they're going to want to hit him on his way to the rim, but he should be finding somebody coming right up the middle for a nice, easy layup, and if he can do that, then that would obviously help immensely, and, and the points per game and the offense 
sort of numbers for this team and et cetera. It will help them get into that top 10 range. Like I said, I think they will be this season, but that's going to do it for this week's show. The broadcast will be available on demand on the CLNS media mobile app. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at CSL underscore Justin and at CSL underscore Duke. A heartfelt thank you to everybody for tuning in. And remember that you can help support the show by subscribing to Celtic stuff live on iTunes and Stitcher. We'd love it. If you gave us a rating and a review because your feedback is important to the success of the show and for staff writer Samuel Elias, executive producer Larry H. Russell, the founder of CLNS Media, Nick Gelso, and for my co-host John Duke, I'm Justin Poulin. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of Celtic Stuff Live. Celtic Stuff Live.